Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Gift of Grace on the Word 1220. This is Phil Giuliani here on not just, as I always say, another awesome Sunday, but it's Christmas Day. So I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, our listeners and the staff at the radio station and all the people that will hear this on podcasts later. Merry Christmas, and I hope it'll also be an awesome New Year. So here we are. It's finally Christmas Day after all this preparation during the season of Advent and, of course, during um, all the secular world's preparations that started uh, last October and the stuff started going up into in the stores. We're actually here when the tradition of the churches was to celebrate Christmas starting today and going till January 6th, which is the Feast of the Epiphany, which commemorates when the Magi came to see the baby Jesus. And of course, we're going to talk more about that as time goes closer, because the importance of that is that he was manifested to Gentiles who came from a long distance. And so that was traditionally what was called the 12 Days of Christmas, so the song and so forth. But anyway, today the world uh, commemorates the birth of Jesus the Messiah, commemorates the birth of the God-man who was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And at this on this day, and we don't know if it was this day, it probably was not this day, but we're not going to get into that. So as we commemorate this day, she gave birth to the God-man and traditionally became known as the Theotokos, the God-bearer. And so she did not give birth to just a human who then somehow became the God-man. She gave birth to the God-man. He was conceived, it says, in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel told her that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in her womb. And so now we have Messiah, Jesus, baby Jesus, little baby Yeshua, brought into the world in this obscure setting by these obscure people, an obscure mother, an obscure foster father, I guess you'd call Joseph, not what people had expected was not born in the temple, was not born in a big um, imperial house or palace somewhere, was not born in some fancy house in Jerusalem, was born outside of Jerusalem, was born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, which means house of bread, because Jesus Yeshua so often compared himself to bread, that he was the living bread, that he was the bread come down from heaven. And he's born in a town called the House of Bread. Importantly, of course, this was the city of David. And this is where the house of Jesse was. This is where David was born and raised. And this is the place that the prophet Micah, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, prophesies that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. 
And of course, because he is the son of David, it's consistent that he be born in David's city. And I assume you all have heard the readings that have to do with the birth of Messiah in Luke and uh, in Matthew. And of course, you know that Mark and John don't have this. Luke has the most extensive description, obviously. And there are many um, scholars who feel that Luke, since it says that he set out to write an orderly account, got a lot of information and may have sat with Mary and asked her questions and gotten sort of her story as he was preparing this. Regardless of how it was, in any event, he provides the most detailed description. So tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about Luke chapter 2, which is the nativity account. But we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to read a little bit of it, not really read the whole account, because I assume that not only do you know this, but you've heard it in your church services today, last night, or whatever you do in your tradition. So today we're actually going to start in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And we're just going to read a little bit here, and then we're going to discuss what I think the important meanings of this are. So 2.8. Now there were in the same country shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So let's stop there for a minute. So there are shepherds in these fields around Bethlehem. If you've been there, if you've been on, if you've been to the Holy Land and either driven to Bethlehem, which isn't easy for a variety of reasons, or gone there on a tour, you know that there are the areas around the town that are called the shepherd's fields. And there's even little uh, caves the shepherds stayed in. There were little um, temporary shelters that were built by them for use when they were um, watching flocks. And there are, in fact, still shepherds there. Um, when my wife and I were there, we did see in the distance some men going by with little flocks of sheep and goat goats as they kind of passed through that area. So these are still, in fact, shepherd's fields. And these are in the immediate area, right outside of the town. When you're standing in them, of course, you can see the town of Bethlehem, which isn't a little town of Bethlehem anymore. It's a pretty busy place. It's now under the authority of the Palestinian Authority. So there's a lot of regulations of going in and out, but we're not going to talk about that now, but these were the same fields that were mentioned in the book of Ruth, but where Boaz was, where Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, were 
gleaning. This was the area of Jesse and David when young David was taking care of sheep. This would have been where that was happening. And this whole area was, of course, prophesied, as I mentioned, by the prophet Micah. And in chapter um, 5 of the book of Micah, the prophet says that Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, which, of course, now that passage is fulfilled. And the fact that he's the son of David, and this is the city of David, also fulfills um, 2 Samuel chapter 7, as we've been talking about. The Messiah will come from David. He'll be the son of David, biologically. And even the angel mentions he's going to sit on the throne of his father, David. And we're going to talk about all this. David, of course, was not his biological father. They were a thousand years apart. And, of course, we know that Messiah did, does not have a biological father. But both, both Joseph and Mary were descended from David. And so the prophecies are kept consistent, and the place of his birth, Bethlehem, is kept consistent. And as I mentioned, he's born in this obscure place, not made known to the religious leaders, not made known to the important people in Jerusalem, not made known to any of the um, civil authorities not made known to any of the religious authorities. And it's made known, his birth is made known initially to poor people dwelling in tents and in caves. And these were the fields that I mentioned. The dwellings were tents and caves. And these were people that were caring for sheep. Now, what most people don't understand is because, because when we see nativity scenes with these very nicely um, outfitted shepherds who have their staffs and have on very nice clean clothes and a nice head covering. This was not the situation at all. Shepherds were a very low rung of society. They were felt to not be trustworthy. They were not allowed to testify in court. And interestingly, when you see, when you read about the culture of the day, shepherds were not allowed to testify in court. And of course, women were not allowed to testify in court. Women couldn't even be called as witnesses in a court because women and shepherds were felt to be not trustworthy for different reasons. But anyway, we're not going to get into that either. So here they were, they're guarding their flock from enemies. You know, Jesus later... In John chapter 10, roughly, you know, 30 to 33 years later, was going to call himself the good shepherd. And he says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep recognize my voice. And I lead them. They follow me. I lead them out of the sheepfold. So these shepherds were caring for sheep. They were the first to get the news. So this occupation of being a shepherd is interesting in two reasons. Number one, a shepherd guards his flock from enemies. Jesus is the good shepherd, 
guards his flock from enemies. Shepherds who are in the church today, and in fact, our word pastor, as I'm sure you know, is the Latin word for shepherd. A pastor is supposed to be guarding his flock from enemies, taking care of his flock, feeding his flock, watering his flock, and mostly guarding from the enemies. That's not really the state of the 21st century church, but we've talked enough about that, and we'll get back into that after the new year, because now we have shepherds that just let the enemy right in. And so a shepherd is supposed to guard the sheep. The patriarchs were shepherds. Abraham had flocks, Isaac had flocks, Jacob had flocks, Jacob's sons were shepherds. We know from all the accounts in Genesis right down to when Joseph was going out to see how his brothers were doing with the flocks. They were shepherds. Moses worked as a shepherd for 40 years. For 40 years, he worked as a shepherd. David was a shepherd, as I mentioned, right in these very same fields. These Most of these men were called from caring for sheep to caring for people, to leading people. So God seems to favor this occupation because, as the prophet Isaiah says, we're all like sheep who have gone astray. We are very similar to sheep. We're not very bright. We tend to wander around wherever we see some grass we can eat, wherever we can satisfy some urge that we have, and we just wander around. And the prophet Isaiah said, we all like sheep had gone astray. And this is why we needed a good shepherd. And this is why we needed a suffering servant. And this is why we needed a suffering Messiah. And although today we are celebrating and commemorating the birth of Messiah, we have to understand that the importance of this was that Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, was in the world now, that he was in our time and space. God is outside of time, outside of space. He's the eternal I am, which is his name. God does have a name, and his name is I am. His name is I am who I am. I am that I am. He is always in the present tense, and he emphasizes that very powerfully by saying, my name is I am. He told Moses, my name is Yahweh, I am that I am. Always existing in the present. And now, the incarnate God, incarnate deity, Yeshua, Jesus, the God, man, was actually in time and space. And so, this was such an important breakthrough, but what we have to keep in mind when we look at all of these nativity scenes, and you know, if you know me, you're tired of me saying, just throw your nativity scene away, because the baby Jesus did not have curly blonde hair and big blue eyes, and his mother Mary was not all nicely cleaned in her beautiful clothes with her hands folded praying, and Joseph 
similar. This was an unbelievable scene where she had given birth. Joseph, you know, men had nothing to do with childbirth at the time. Who knows where Joseph was out somewhere. We don't know if a midwife came, which was kind of a custom. It was kind of an ordinary thing. We don't know if these two could possibly have afforded a midwife. It may have been that Mary gave birth by herself. And it, it wouldn't have been a nice, clean situation, especially due to the fact that it happened presumably in a stable or cave where animals were, since there was a manger there. So it was overall a very dirty scene. And back to Moses, just for a second, when he got news of the deliverance from Egypt, he was caring for sheep. These shepherds that were in the shepherd's field around Bethlehem that night, they got the news of salvation while they were caring for their sheep. They got the news of what the law of Moses and the prophets pointed to while they were taking care of their sheep. They were watching. They were awake. They knew they weren't dreaming. They knew that what they could see and hear was real and was not a dream. They were doing their job when this news of salvation came to them. They were not expecting it right then. We don't know how much these shepherds knew about salvation history. Presumably they heard the readings in the synagogues and knew the Torah and knew the prophets and knew the writings, which all pointed to this fact that Messiah was going to be born and was then going to become the perfect sacrifice for sin, to conquer sin and death. He had to be the perfect sacrifice, and he had to die, and blood had to be shed, or else sin could not be forgiven. And so these shepherds got the information about this while they were doing their job taking care of sheep. And not only were they not expecting the news of salvation, they didn't expect angels in glory to appear around them. The Greek means that this came instantly and suddenly. Suddenly, there was an angel there. The Greek language, the Greek grammar there, the Greek construction there means the angel stood over them. Glory shone all around them. The, glory, the angel was suddenly there above them with light all around them, and they were afraid. The Greek means they were exceedingly afraid. They were terrified. And just like everywhere else, when an angel encounters a human being, the angel has to say, don't be afraid. Every angel encounters a human being says, don't be afraid. This was totally out of their experience. The angel reassures them and says, don't be afraid. Because actually, I'm here because I have good news for you. That's going to be a joy for all people. Who is this going to be a joy for? All people. Is it going to be just for Israel? No, it's going to be for all people. Is it going to be for all the people within 100 miles of this place? No, it's going to be for all people. All people. Which, of course, 
means that the Savior of the world is now born. The Savior of the world can now proceed with his mission of salvation. And now all the prophecies that we talked about the last few weeks from the book of Isaiah about Gentiles being included in the kingdom and coming to Messiah and seeking Messiah can soon start to happen. So the angel says, I got, I have good news for all people, not just you, not just people close by, not just for Israel, but for all people. And he says, a savior is born who is Christ the Lord. The Christ is born. The Mashiach is born. We use the word Messiah that we get from the Hebrew Mashiach. We use the word Christ, which is the word we get from the Greek Christos. They both mean the anointed one. The anointed one. And this is the key here. So the angel says, a savior is born who is Christ the Lord. So the anointed one that you've been waiting for since the book of Genesis, which you've been waiting for for untold centuries, maybe a couple of thousand years, maybe three or four thousand years, but the one you've been waiting for all that time has now been born. After all these centuries of prophecy and speculation, he's born now, this day. The angel says he's born this day. So there's certainty that he's born and that he is for everyone. He's Lord, he's Deliverer, and he's for all people. And so this is joy that was prophesied all through Torah, all through the prophets, all through the writings, especially the prophet Isaiah and the writer David, who was also quite a prophet. All this now is fulfilled. Right back to Isaiah saying, a child is born and a son is given. The plan of salvation is now in flesh. Now the plan can be carried out, which was prophesied for all these centuries. And the angel even tells them how to find him. Now, because Augustus had ordered the census and how you had to go to your ancestral home, which is actually the pagan emperor was used to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem so that the baby Jesus could be born there and so that Micah chapter 5 verse 2 could be fulfilled. Augustus gets them to Bethlehem indirectly and the angels tell them, even though all these people are here because they're there for the census, and there's probably a lot of children around, and there's probably quite a few babies around. You're not going to find this Messiah. You're not going to find the Christ dressed in robes with attendants around. And No, he's going to be in swaddling clothes and laying in a feeding trough, a place where animals eat. This is part of his condescension from the glories of heaven to live in our garbage dump. Isaiah tells us in 53, that, chapter 53, that there's nothing about him that would even make us look at him. He's just ordinary and looks like everybody else. And then as he, the angel tells him this, there's a host of angels that come. 
and they do a, a doxology, basically, a shouting of praise, saying glory to God and peace and goodwill to men. It's glory to God because he's made this plan of salvation. It's goodwill to men because now the ultimate, the only mediator has come. The only solution to the sin problem has come. Peace between God and men can be restored. And this is what the angels are glorifying. So all of heaven is confirming that this has happened and that this is true and that the plan of salvation is now moving along in a physical way. So the shepherds go immediately to see. They don't doubt it. They go immediately to see it. And so what a powerful story. I hope you give thought to these angels interacting with these shepherds. And to a few verses later where it says Mary pondered all these things when she heard the shepherd's testimony. It was very overwhelming. So again, want to wish you a Merry Christmas from Gift of Grace Radio, Gift of Grace Ministries, one in Messiah, and hope that you'll join us again next week as we start a new series of what happens next. So have an awesome week and Merry Christmas. A hand raised in faith.